Welcome to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Let's get the latest New Hampshire government news with the friends of the New Hampshire Bulletin. Get their articles at NewHampshireBulletin.com. They join WKXL in the morning every Friday, and this week I'm joined by reporter Ethan DeWitt. Welcome back. Glad to be back. First of all, big congratulations to the Bulletin. We're recording on Thursday, April 14th, and it's officially been one year since your outlet uh, went live. Uh, I mean, congratulations on that. How's that feel? It feels great. Yeah. I mean, this team is, we're just four people, but we have kind of been able to pull together and collaborate on so many stories and the year has really flown by. So we're just happy for everybody who's read us. For government news outlets, like the perfect storm of uh, of material for your first year coming out of COVID. So Emory Timmons was covering that a lot. The uh, House went, there's been all sorts of issues around education, which is your beat. And then, uh, environment is all and energy is is always up for discussion so amanda's been busy with that so it, it's been uh, must have been a whirlwind first year specifically uh going digital with government focus definitely i think that there have been really vigorous debates in kind of all the areas that we've covered um you know and i think that the pandemic has shed a unique light on some of the issues that have existed for decades and you know the the pandemic has kind of added, you know, different new iterations of, uh, you know, some of these, these, these classic struggles. Now, I've, I've had an in-depth uh, discussion with Dana uh, Wormald, who's your editor-in-chief over there at the Bulletin on, uh, on the outlet. So I highly suggest you check that out on the New England Take podcast feed or nhtalkradio.com. Just do a search for, uh, for actually search for Dana, because he's probably going to it's not a very common name. <laughs> it should pop right <laughs> up. Uh, but it, it, what's really interesting, especially with you guys, is that you have Creative Commons licensing for all your articles. It's it, as someone who's been in print in the New Hampshire area for a while. Uh, what was your take on that when you first heard that was the way you were going to go? I think it's. I, I really appreciate it. And one thing that it's done. This is a little insidery, but because we share our articles with other outlets, we also try to report on things that maybe other outlets aren't doing at that day. So if there is one new news story of the day, we might cover it, or we might look for another angle um, to cover it. We might look for a, a, a different topic that day, and um, that's because you know if we're providing the articles for free, then uh, you, you know we want to, we want to create a service that is unique and so it has been nice to have that collaboration um and the ability to kind of share it across outlets and it's something that i think is a good thing that all outlets across new hampshire since the pandemic has has um, started have begun sharing articles and i think um you know i don't want to get into the economics of it but i think you know from a pure news value standpoint i think that it's it's a really good development and you're it's a nonprofit organization that you work with it's state's newsroom correct is the mother organization. So yeah. it's it's just an awesome an awesome model that I'm glad to be seeing a lot more outlets take up the mantle in that kind of world of it whether it's uh, different partisan outlets what the what state's newsroom does specifically around state governments which is cool and as someone who's in radio and is always looking for journalists to get on the air it's great having you guys on and being able to look at the bulletin and say okay I'm not dealing with copyright issues as, as I'm utilizing materials from it. It's awesome for doing my morning newscast go, okay, this is covered in the bulletin. This is a quote from it. And everyone feels comfortable with the fact the content was used. So it's great. So let's move on, get into the uh, what you wrote about this past week here. And we'll start off with an update that uh, we've previously talked about regarding short-term rental bans that have been proposed in certain parts of the state. And Sununu has actually come up and made some comments. Yeah, so just to uh, reiterate what this bill does, this bill would bar towns 
from enacting ordinances that would ban short-term rentals. So essentially, uh, another way to look at that is uh, it would um, kind of create an inherent property right um, in the state to uh, to list your home as a short-term rental and short-term rentals, uh, you know, think holiday homes, Airbnbs, Verbos, those kinds of things. There are a lot of municipalities that have decided to uh, bar towns from doing this. Um, and this, this legislation would, would stop them from stopping them. And it comes as there is legal action that's actually making its way to the state Supreme Court over a case in Conway. And um, it's unclear where that's going to go, how long that's going to take to resolve itself. But the legislation is is advocates of it say that it's it's meant to, um, you know, put those rights that they say are already property rights and put them into statute. But you um, have, you know, immediate um, sort of red flags among people who are in favor of local control and people who say that, uh, you know, local um select board should be able to decide, uh, you know, where in towns, uh, you know, you should be able to um, install this or whether you should at all, um, these short-term rentals. There are a lot of people who have opposition. So this week, um, Governor Sununu was asked about it at a press conference, and he said he didn't seem too uh, keen on the bill. He didn't say if he was going to veto it. He said he would wait for the uh, final outcome, but he did say that it wasn't he was afraid of the long-term implications is what he said. And he said, if you're going to believe in local control, then you have to believe in local control. Um, and he also said that the legislation was going down the wrong path. So this legislation has support. Um, it's obviously kind of made it this far. We'll see how it, it does in the house. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing when you, when you go to lawmaking, if things are already in the court system, odds are, if the legislation goes through, the court's just going to say, Hey, this is this is the law. This is what we're going to follow. So if anyone's unsure of how that process works, please do keep that in mind. If it doesn't matter how many cases are in process with something like this, if the the state decides to go forward and have a universal mandate across the state with regards to how these sorts of things are going to be handled, I mean, that's it. <laughs> the I, I mean, say that the superior court judge. So um, in the Conway case. Uh, there was one homeowner uh, who was attempting to or was actually um, um, creating short term rentals in Conway and uh, the, the town um, was trying to quash it, pointing to that fact that their ordinances don't directly allow it. And so because it's not directly allowed um, and it's not explicitly spelled out that it's not a right, um, that decision or that attempt by the town officials has actually been overturned by the Superior Court and the matter is being appealed to the Supreme Court. But the Superior Court judge, to your point, did say uh, she did urge the legislature to take action to clarify uh, the law. And so that's sort of what supporters of this law are pointing to is saying, OK, this is going through the courts. We have an opportunity to do this, um, you know, through legislation. There are advocates. There are a lot of um, mayors, but most mayors in the state are opposed to it. And there are affordable housing advocates who argue that if uh, short term rentals are allowed everywhere in the state, uh, especially, you know, given um, sort of the attraction uh, of that and, and where the housing market is now and how low the housing stock is already, uh, that it could incentivize people to turn into, um, you know, Airbnb owners or Verbo owners uh, rather than, uh, you know, use their housing to kind of um, 
help with the housing stock and it might take properties out of that stock. And so that's the argument from them. So you have arguments on both sides. Sununu, I should note, has been critical of Conway's efforts in the past uh, to stop this. He has said that tourism is is good and that we short-term rentals are good. But his point uh, in opposing legislation is he believes it should be the decision of the town to pass the ordinances um, that it wants. Yeah, because it does vary drastically depending on what jurisdiction you're in with regards to how how the zoning might already be in effect. So I would imagine this could have some deeper consequences that um, may not be considered right off the bat. But I mean, you figure Conway, it, it's there are very few hotels up there right now. They um, there a lot of those like inns and beds and breakfasts and just hostels that are set up in that part of the state are are vital to, to the tourism up there. So it's, I understand Sununu's fight on that. And on the other hand, I do definitely understand the, the, the fear that if this is universal, Manchester, where there's desperation to find housing, um, Johnny Bassett over at the Granite State News Collaborative has has written extensively about it through his, his Invisible Wall series, which is tragic, every, the more historical implications of it. Zoning's very complex, and uh, anyone that tells you it, this, we're just going to make a decision quickly on this short-term rental thing, it's not going to have further implications, I, I'm, I'm not buying it. Yeah, it's really um, convoluted. There are towns that are arguing for middle ground approaches, uh, you know, owner occupancy ordinances that would require the um, the owner to live there at least six months out of the year. So you could have a summer rental, for instance, but there's still somebody who's in the town. Um, that's, you know, different um, municipalities have taken different approaches currently and where this goes and where the both the lawsuit and the legislation goes could really um, change a lot in the state. Let's continue talking about housing as we move over to the uh, just crazy amount of uh, changes when it comes to home home costs in the state, which are just it's just off the rails. And New Hampshire is not exempt from what's been going on across the country with that. Yeah, so we keep hitting records. Uh, right now, the median sale price in New Hampshire is $440,000. That's as of March. Um, and that is uh, staggering because just in February, uh, the state median sales price or January, uh, January to February had just breached $400,000 for the first time and it's already up to 440,000. So we're kind of, we're, you know, rocketing towards 500,000. I mean, um, the market is clearly not uh, moderating yet and it's not doing what uh, economists and realtors are hoping it eventually will. Um, there, you know, nobody has any sense of when it's going to slow down. It, everyone says it will, but it hasn't yet. Um, and just to put that number into perspective. So right now, 440,000, um, dollars, the median price uh, to, to buy a home. In 2019, for the first time, the state hit the $300,000 median price level. It had been in the 200,000s all the way up until 2019. And then we have the pandemic hit and we have just an enormous amount of interest hit the state. Um, cash buyers, um, a lot of people, um, you know, who are waiving inspections and kind of just doing everything they can to buy sight unseen these homes. Uh, and now, you know, in just two years, it left another 100,000. It first breached 200,000 back in 2002. So from 2002 to 2019, it rose from 200,000 to 300,000 median sales price in two years. 
it rose to another 100,000 and now it's at 440. So again, it's a, and there's a lot of other data in there. The housing stock has never been lower. Um, sales are you know down. Um, the number of closed sales dropped 23% last month compared to where it was last year. And in all of March, 2022, just 811 single family residential homes were closed. That's an estate of you know 1.3 million people. Um, and just 1,100 houses were on the market, which is an, a 14% drop in the year before. So things are not getting better yet. Again, when they when that inflection point comes and when things start to turn around is, uh, you know, anyone's guess, but it clearly isn't happening yet. And this happened so drastically and so so dramatically and so quickly that it, it just makes you immediately fear that this is a bubble that's going to hit and it's going to be really bad for the housing market like we saw back in 2008. I mean, it, when you back then it was about home loans, but right now the, there's so little property around. It's so hard for companies to move in, to have workers have a place to live. Like my family, we live, we have a great apartment. We got a really, really good rate that we're we don't want to move out and lose that because our rents would go up at least fifty percent. And family three won't have a house eventually, but there's no way we can afford it. Like you wrote in your article, the average price for a condo or a townhouse is three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Like I remember looking a while ago, you could get a condo for or a decent townhouse for less than two hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And I should note on the comparisons to 2008, 2009, um, you know, economists will point out that this is not quite the same situation. It's not the subprime lending uh, crisis. It, this isn't, uh, you know, a, a lot of loans being go going to people who aren't able to pay them back. And that creates a bubble that created a disaster. This, if, if it is a bubble, um, you know, this is not the type that is, are, is going to affect, um, you know, when it, if it, you know, pops or if it lowers, it's not the type that will affect the same people as uh, it did 10 years ago. Um, but it is something that is certainly affecting lower income people now by just simply pricing them out. It's also forcing them into rent. Um, and, you know, it's the rental raise below um, the availability is below 1% right now. Um, a healthy amount is, is I think around two or three or 4%. Um, and so as people go into rent, rents go up as well. So you have that problem. It, it has knock on effects. And I should note that these numbers come from the um, New Hampshire Association of Realtors. They measure affordability. And so it's become a lot less affordable to buy a house. And obviously because prices are rising faster than people's incomes, but to put it in perspective in March, 2020, right as the pandemic was breaking out, um, if you made the medium New Hampshire income, that would be 126% of what you needed to buy the median price home. In other words, if you made the median amount, you would have more than enough to buy the median price home. You could go above that if you wanted. Now, if you make the median amount, you actually only have 80% uh, of funding to buy the median home. So if you're making the, the average amount, you know, you're right in the middle, you have to go lower than the average amount, which means that there aren't going to be enough housing, you know, that just the, 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 the range doesn't, doesn't, doesn't align uh, for what you're doing. So that's a bad sign. Um, also a bad sign right now is how quickly it would take. This is a metric that, um, that housing economists use. How quickly would it take to sell all of the state's housing stock right now if you didn't have any more coming on? A healthy amount is six months. 
Um, so, you know, six months and that indicates how quickly the homes are selling, how, you know, how expensive things are, how many homes there are. That's why it, it, the economists like this number. Um, six months is the healthy amount. Right now it's 0.8 months. So it, it would take less than a month. It would take, you know, just over three weeks. So uh, another that's another, um, you know, big concern. And that has not been improving either. So. Again, something that people are assuming it will improve eventually, but it hasn't yet. And the, and the, the availability is, is at rock bottom. Yeah, I mean, this would be a more of a conversation I have with uh, Jeff Feingold over at the New Hampshire Business Review. But I mean, there, there are far reaching implications of, of this where ultimately now, if you're looking at like Craigslist, just anecdotally, if you're looking to see what apartments are available, it's large corporate chains that are have set up have apartment buildings in the state and that's mostly all you're able to find unless you get lucky like if you're not constantly searching out there there you're not able to find in like a small um I, it, it's no secret I, I spoke to to my landlord on my show the New England take Jeff, John Hoyt over at uh, Concord Housing here in here in in the city and I wouldn't be there. There's no nothing like this right now if you're looking around and it's really hard for families, which is the lifeblood of the state to be able to sustain itself going into the future. Families can't move in. Their kids get involved in the state, go through the education system, find jobs and such that messes up generational um, economics of the state. Or you're talking about families who are, you know, really stretching themselves and their income um there people have to go you know a hundred thousand dollars over asking price that is an enormous leap to make for a, a, a purchase and if you go through enough if you're a family trying to buy especially a, fir a first time home buyer and you really want that first home you don't you know you're renting right now you will tend uh to you know after enough rejections, uh, it might seem more tempting to try to make a, a bolder offer, but that is, you know, it's unclear how how hot, how long these prices are going to stay high and whether how valuable your home will be. Plus, you have all kinds of other pressures that are coming at you in the form of, you know, fuel prices right now, electricity prices. So there is a real risk that the people who are buying the homes are kind of going to be saddled with um, something that is going to be a big drain on their finances uh, in the short term. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we said like ultimately this is this is a very different thing from the 2008 crisis. But if family, especially young families, are leaving school with tens of thousands of dollars worth of student loan debt, we have a huge credit card debt problem in this country. And add in now that they're taking out home loans for houses that are just far beyond what they was really what they reasonably should have been affording. It's 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 there are there's inflation issues that are that are go along with such things yeah yeah it's it really is connected to so many economic issues in the state you know whether it comes to hiring or or tourism etc like there, a lot of it um you know it, it, it ties into a lot that's happening right now ethan dewitt over the new hampshire bulletin thanks for joining me thanks for having me once again, congrats to the New Hampshire Bulletin for one year of being in operation. Get more from them at NewHampshireBulletin.com. They join WKXL in the morning every Friday in the 6 a.m. hour. We've got Anne-Marie Timmons, Amanda Gokey, Ethan DeWitt coming in every week, all with also really awesome uh, subjects that we get to talk about that are important to the state. If you're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. We'll be right back. <laughs> 